What did the Zen monk say to the hot dog vendor? Make me one with everything. This is the Fabric Podcast, and while the idea of prayer might feel like a joke, we're spending these next episodes wondering together at the multifaceted practice of prayer and how it has the potential to deeply connect us or help us see how we're already one with everything. All right. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Melissa Locke. So I don't know what your life experience is. We all have our our own. We all have our own thoughts about prayer. And that's what we're going to wrestle with. What is this all about? People have been thinking about and writing about and uh, creating patterns and practices and poems and music about prayer for as long as humans have existed across religions and cultures, across geography and time. This instinct of our inner selves to cry out or call out or speak up before we do too much thinking and say, whoa, look at that sky. Or I'm scared, I need some help. Or maybe it's that simple, simplest of prayers. Thank you. Thank you for this. My hope, my prayer for this time for us today, and as we walk through these five weeks together, is that you and I will all get to know that instinct in ourselves a little better and what it has to offer what it maybe invites us into, what it maybe asks of us, what it maybe opens up for us. So we're going to be exploring and discovering that through very much stories of other people's experiences. And because I think that's a great way to discover our own. And some perspectives and some practice. So thanks for showing up. That is the first the first thing. And in addition to other people's reflections that you will hear today, we're going to be gathering yours. And we have this fabulous tool called Menti. So pull out that phone if you have one. And there's going to be a question up there about how often do you pray? I'm very curious. Live streamers, you can do this too. Welcome. So pull up that, yep, we've already got answers coming in. So how often do you pray? Never, on rare occasions, weekly, daily, a few times a day, all through the day. Those are our options. People are weighing in here if you're listening on the podcast. Rare occasions seems to be about half the people right now. Yes, we've got about the same amount of nevers and all throughout the days on each end there. Um, The weeklies are coming up a little closer, but still mostly it's on rare occasions, looks like in the room. Yeah. So I'm pretty curious about what counted as prayer as, as you were considering that. I know in your hands you've got your phone now, and I invite you to set that aside just for a second. 
And pick up that clay that someone gave you. Did you all, did you all get some? So pick up that clay. It's just dirt and water. And so I encourage you to take it out and just start working with it. Okay, start working with it as we talk about this and work with this idea of prayer. So I grew up with prayer in my home at bedtime. Maybe you relate to that. Um, And mealtimes. Also, um, I memorized some prayers, like mealtime prayers and also the Lord's Prayer as a kid. Um, Songs have become prayers for me, some poems. More recently, um, I did at-home yoga for 30 days in a row, and I tell you, it was kind of a lifesaver, and I came to think of it as a prayer every day this winter. Um, I've been trying out some sits. My friend Mike Russert will be here next week, and he talks about 20-minute sits, just sitting. That's interesting. I've been practicing that. Um, Sometimes, uh, well, the serenity prayer is a newer prayer to me that that I have found meaningful, that I repeat um, with groups, but also on my own sometimes. And, And then there's just the walking and kind of praying that I do, maybe thinking about what's going on in my life, reflecting. Um, In my car, prayers, sometimes for patience, right? Um, And then maybe at the end of the day, sometimes Joe and I will just kind of review the day and say thank you. And I think of that as a prayer. And sometimes, especially at the end of the day, there might be some sighs, like, (sighs) whoa, that was a big one resonating. So I think sighs can be prayers, too. There are a lot of patterns and practices and ideas about you know, what qualifies, what counts as prayer. And none of them are going to be the same for everyone. None of them are perfect, even for me, all the time. Um, I can't tell you, like, what's your favorite prayer practice? You know, it depends on the day, right? But they're all on to something. And... Um, And I have really enjoyed asking people, so what is prayer? What is prayer to you? But the group that I most enjoyed talking to, if you've been around here, you might have met Av. I get to be Av's mom. And Av has four fabulous roommates. And I called them up and I, well, texted them actually. And I said, hey, could I bring pizza over sometime and have a big conversation with you? I want to ask you, what is prayer? prayer to you. And to my delight and, and, and surprise, they were excited. They were eager. Um, so they said, yeah, sure, come on over. So I did, and um, I was pretty blown away, actually, by what they shared. So you will get to see what they shared now. So they brought me into their little northeast Minneapolis apartment, and just were so honest. And I've heard prayer described as the most personal, intimate conversation that we'll ever be part of in our lives. It is deeply personal, really. No one else is going to, no one else's prayer is going to look like yours or their prayer life or that inner life. It's just yours. And so it's a pretty great gift that they shared this with me and then allowed me to share it with you. 
And the greatest gift, I think, is how you might hear things in there that you resonate with or that make you think, oh, yeah, I relate to that. So that is my hope. Um, so as you meet Av and Hakan and Liv and Lainey and Noah, listen for their stories, but also what is it in their stories that helps you um, think about your own, your own life with this thing called prayer? I grew up Lutheran. I was raised a Muslim. Um, I was raised Catholic. What is prayer to you? It's kind of a huge question. It's not a very verbal thing for me, as I know it can be for a lot of people. Yeah, when you ask me that question, I think of how I have taken those same kind of principles of prayer from when I was younger and growing up and have that in my life now. Because I think, I think it has to be present. I was like really excited to like answer this question, but it kind of shocked me how little I was prepared to, to answer it. It's an opportunity, whether you believe in like a God or a higher power, or, like whatever, like your kind of thing is, it's just a chance to like be with that alone, kind of like solitude is a word I want to use. It's like very, it's a chance for you to be alone with like that thing and kind of like communicate with it um, and just kind of resonate like alone, I think. For a long time, that meant my mom coming in my room at night just before bed and us praying together and thanking God for the, the people that um, we were really thankful for and um, thinking up about the people that we want to express gratitude towards or think about a little extra um, and for guidance. It seems like prayer becomes synonymous with like meditation or like um, almost uh, like a, a cleansing of your spirit. I suppose you, you if you have a burning question or a, a problem, you try to respond to that, like, by looking at the highest good you could imagine. Recently, I've been kind of thinking about just my relationship with the universe and with everything else in it. Um, And I guess there's moments where I feel very connected to everything else um, as my own person, as my own individual, where I feel um, a part of something bigger than, than just my own perception of reality and only what I see, and I feel like I'm more in tune with um, just everything else going on around me. And if I had to, had to label um, that, I think that prayer would be a good way to describe moments like that.
just moments of um, oneness with with nature and things and yourself and um, the people you care about. I guess that's what that's maybe what it is to me. Like when I'm struggling, I've turned to prayer and just it's also a good chance to just kind of like get to think about exactly what it is you're dealing with kind of on a deeper level. Like I've been able to gain a lot of insight, I think, um, just by being alone with like whatever it is that you worship or believe in. I remember praying when I was younger um, and I did believe in God and like a Christian God when I was probably in like sixth grade and I would like pray before I go to went to sleep and um, it, it was a conversation with God from what I remember. I like to take the time to feel that gratitude um, and I don't do it as much as I'd like to but I ideally every night before I go to sleep I kind of run through a list of things that I'm grateful for and things I'm looking forward to and just kind of recentering and reconnecting with myself. And I also think of it in another sense and like prayer with the community, like in a church and in like around a table before you eat. I feel with my roommates, we don't say grace, but we always say thank you to whoever made the meal if, if we're eating together and even though I'm not um, religious anymore oh I don't identify with that part um, of myself anymore um, I I still that's still something that I come back to in, in different parts of my life in different ways um, I find a lot of those patterns and um, practices through mindfulness and meditation, um, intention setting, even like list making. Um, so I think just self-reflection and being curious with myself um, and trying to be as non-judgmental as possible is probably what I would consider prayer to be now. It's kind of like telling yourself, hold on and 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 with that kind of idea, it's like um, maybe a little bit of comfort, maybe a little bit of humility, understanding that I don't know everything, or there's something, someone or something that knows more than me, and if I can tell myself to hold on or trust the process, <laughs> then I'll be able to get somewhere. I, I do feel connected to a community, so... I don't know. I think that prayer can be that connection. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I wonder what you heard that you resonated with there. And I wonder about you. What is prayer to you? So let's pull out the menti again, okay? And find out... How you would complete that sentence, prayer is what? 
you might have heard a word in there that you resonated with. Um, it, there might be an adjective that for you describes it, um, restful or frustrating or unknown. You might put verbs or nouns or short phrases that help describe it. Talking to God, sending energy, connecting, I don't know. So start popping in some things. And if you see words that you resonate with, you can actually type that too, and it'll kind of enlarge in the word cloud. But seeking to understand, connection, reflection, meditation, conversation, gratitude, peace, calm, hope. Ooh, this is fun to try to keep up with. Yeah, look at those. I'll come in. Processing being bigger than yourself, wrestling, humility, reassurance, calmness, conversation, hope, communal introspection, peace, private, needed, surrender, desperation, humility again, getting bigger, seeking to understand, Reflection, gratitude, meditation, connection, conversation, quiet, beautiful. There's a lot of ways to talk about prayer. There's a lot of experiences and orientations to it represented just on that word cloud and in this room. I want to think about as we've started to talk about what prayer is and why do we pray in the first place. I'm going to go through this pretty, pretty quickly, but there are tons of responses to that, right, to why we pray. But I think it's safe to say that often we turn to prayer to escape or to change reality. I mean, there are some really hard things we have to deal with, and yet we can't just bypass them. I wish we could, I wish we could. Um, can't I just pray about my dysfunctional team at work or that natural disaster going on um, and have it you know, be taken care of? I just want things to be different. Um, I want to pretend this isn't happening, this hard thing, or just to get out of it somehow. I mean, even Jesus prayed that in Jesus' last days of his life. Please, is there another way? Can I just skip this part? But somehow it seems that this love, this make me one with everything stuff isn't so pretty and easy all the time. So it only makes sense that that's, those are the times where we turn to something bigger than us, um, something that we realize clearly I cannot handle this on my own or I am not alone. There's more going on here. Um, and there's this other you know, alternative to a prayer like make, make me one with everything becomes make me in control of everything. Um, I might invite God to, to help out as long as it's you know, aligned with what I already know and with what I want, with my agenda, right? Please help those people see the light. <laughs> you know, that's a good example. And it's so easy to judge ourselves, right? Or others, reasons or motives or agendas. 
And I loved how Liv described prayer as, you know, this space of being as non-judgmental as possible. Because we turn to prayer for all kinds of reasons and none of them are wrong or right. There are no wrong reasons to pray. Just showing up, just being there is enough. And the invitation within that, that I think is where the, the juice is of all this, is don't decide where it ends. Whatever brings you into prayer, um, don't decide where it ends. I think if prayer had a tagline, it could be come for the transaction, stay for the transformation. Um, come for the transaction, you know, come for that, that thing, whatever's bothering you, whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart. 30 years ago, there were a lot of people in my life um, praying with my mom and me and my whole family that her cancer would be healed and go away. And it wasn't. As each of the healing milestones we hoped for were missed, the, the prayers kept going. No one that I remember told us just to pray harder, better, and she would get better. No one blamed my mom or us for not hoping or praying hard enough. I'm lucky that I did not grow up with that kind of um, game-playing type of God concept. And really, those prayers did change something for us. And I think mostly as we evolved with the situation and, and, and got honest more and more with what was happening together and shared how it was landing and feeling for us, more and more the prayers changed us. And maybe that's one of the things that makes it so vulnerable to go there. There, there aren't any guarantees um, when we stop long enough to start to feel and see what is really going on around us and in us, um, that's pretty vulnerable. We realize there are some things, some people that I really care about, that I love, and it's all so fragile, right? So fleeting, but so special, and so maybe holy, maybe sacred. So we might go to prayer to escape or change or get control of reality, but as we stay there, as we persist in it and keep practicing, um, I think we learn to live in reality, not try to change it, not need to control it, but learn to actually live with what is. And that is a horizon thing, right? So that's why we're starting these five weeks of practicing. So. Living in reality, as profoundly and wonderful and difficult as it is, um, takes some persistence and practice. And we can't just always be in this state of 100% awareness and enlightenment all the time. We can't look at, look, look at things all the time like that. But as we practice and persist in prayer, there are things that can happen when we get honest, when we allow some, some of the facades that we hold up to drop and, and, and get honest about what we're feeling or hoping. When we start maybe seeing some new possibilities when everything seems stuck um, or impossible, we can start seeing maybe there's something I can do if we don't decide where it ends. For me, um, over the years, some of that has meant 
you know, persisting in this conversation about my life and, and, and the griefs that I've carried um, for long enough to, with my mom, like to forgive, to forgive myself for what I didn't know to ask her or to do in those final weeks and days. Or to stay with it, stay in the conversation long enough to discover how life and how hope rebuilds. Um, not only despite, but because of those hard things. How you can be okay and not okay at the same time. Staying in it long enough to start discovering how things can shift and change that you didn't see could, you didn't see it was possible. So that is hard to see when you're in it, though, and it's hard to act on. It's hard to be patient and trust the process, as Hakan said. Um, so maybe that's why we find so many passages like this in the, in the Bible, so many messages that, that sound like this, rejoice in hope, rejoice in those, those good, wonderful things about life, be patient in the suffering that will be, and persevere in prayer. Stick with it. Don't decide where it ends. During these five weeks, we'll have a chance to be exploring this, and if we're going to talk about something, even though it's uncontainable and like we can't quite nail it down, it's helpful to have somewhere to work from. So I want to offer a, a working definition of what prayer is, and you can, you can uh, work with this yourself, argue with it a little bit um, if you need to. But what if prayer is an opening into conversation? An opening into conversation. So U2 has a song called The Song for Someone. And I think it's about prayer. It has this line, you let me into a conversation. A conversation only we could make. That sounds like an opening. A willingness. A willingness. From both directions, really. This reciprocity. It sounds personal and it sounds reciprocal. Yours won't be like mine. I've talked about not needing words. For some people, it's not such a verbal thing. For others, it is. And that is what creates openings for them. So prayer is an opening into this conversation with what exactly? Well, I think our answer to that should be as expansive as possible. And I suggest that it's an opening into conversation with all that is. And as fabric, we, we have our metaphor for describing all that is, the nature of the universe um, and life, that it consists of these three, these three strands. And um, one of those strands is that third strand, that G-O-D strand. And we all have our own images of what that is, right? That we've grown up with, that we're forming, um, that, are, that we're reforming. So that would be a great thing to talk about with someone, maybe with your groups this week, is what is your current conceptualization, your current understanding of what this God strand is like? And how has it changed over your life? Um, but I think prayer, even though we think, oh, it's, at least I grew up thinking it's about talking to God. As fabric, I've started to mix up these strands a little more and see how when I start getting closer to God, it seems like I also start getting drawn towards others and drawn towards myself, which then 
kind of maybe draws me back towards God, which draws me back towards myself, which draws me back towards those other people that I know I actually do love and want to learn from and engage with, um, that I have responsibilities to, that I can be cared for and loved by. So it's, it's all three of these, these strands that we can, um, can kind of open up to when we practice prayer. There's a letter that, that was written to a community, an early community, trying to live in this, apart, uh, this way in which they were connected with all that is, with that, this way that Jesus had had started to reveal and that opened some things up for them. And Paul wrote a letter to them as a prayer. And it said, I pray that you, and I think it can add some depth to this to us. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the holy, like all those who are wrestling with how they are a part of and not apart from all things and how to show up in this world with, with love power to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth of that love, that love of Christ made visible and real in this world, then and still now, maybe through us. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend that love that surpasses knowledge, so that you could put your arms around, that you could know or hold this thing that is unholdable or uncontainable. There's something going on there that we can be filled then with all the fullness of God. What does that mean? All the fullness, all the, the fullness of I am who I am was the ancient name um, for God. And in Hebrew, that name was kind of hard to say and more of a sound, and it sounded like breath, Yahweh. And the Greek letter had it written as pneuma, spirit, which also means breath. So if you take a breath now and breathe in deeply, are you breathing in that love that surpasses understanding? And yet it's that close. It's that close to us as our breath. Prayer maybe isn't about becoming one with everything. It isn't. It is a way to practice trusting that we already are. With all of that real stuff, with the doubts, with the anger, with the, the feelings, the, the losses, the crushing, hard losses that we experience in our lives, um, the hopes that we have, the fears, the struggles, the very real circumstances that we wish would change or that we hope never change. Your prayers might not feel or sound like trust, but it's just in the, it's in the action that we practice the trust. Prayer is a way that we can practice trusting. Um, in that showing up honestly for this conversation, um, even with our doubts about all of this, that openness, um, that Hakan talked about, trusting the process. How do you actually do that? Well, prayer is one way. Um, one way to do that. So 
I bet you um, there are some questions, some wonderings that you have um, as you think about, start to think about all of this. I hope so, at least. So um, let's do one more Menti. And this one is pretty open. And it invites kind of a wonder wall, a digital wonder wall about prayer. And your, your questions and your wonderings will become part of our communal exploration of this, part of our prayer together. Um, so what are your wonderings about prayer, about all of this? Something I wonder about prayer. So take a second, if you need to, to think about what's kind of a, like a real honest question that you, that you have as you start to think about this idea of, boy, spending five weeks like practicing this for myself. What, what do you wonder? There are no bad questions. These are all, I think, invitations, which is this last point that I think can help us throughout this whole series is to remember there are no requirements in prayer, only invitations. Only invitations. So let's read these invitations. I'm going to try my best here. Is it okay to ask for things you want? How is the energy generated by prayer transferred to others? Is my life better with prayer or without it? How do I hear God? What are the results? What does it feel like when there's no answer? What does regular prayer reveal? How was prayer defined in the first centuries AD? What does my husband not, why does my husband not value prayer like I do? <laughs> I can't answer that for sure. How do you encourage others like kids to pray? We're going to have a week on that coming up. When does prayer end? How to do it regularly without resorting to saying the same things? Do I need to be asking for better questions in prayer? Is the answer I think I hear God or something I made up? I know I missed some of these up on top. We're going to keep these and share them as prayer Regular prayer practice required. Yes, you must. <laughs> yeah, I know God cannot answer all prayers. It is the comfort in prayer that can be reassuring in life's most difficult moments. That's something to, to wonder about and to, to look for. What are those, those promises? What are those things that prayer can offer that feel true to you, that feel honest to your experience, that make some sense to you, even though you can't quite nail it. I think um, there are ways in which we all find ourselves, you know, pulling away from that which we really are already a part of and just forgetting. And I think perhaps the, the biggest invitation of prayer is to... Ask that, that frayed self um, to step, step back a little bit. And, you know, someone I was talking to said, it's, it's maybe my afraid self. Let that self take, take a step back, and that will allow your connected self to step forward. 
So how can, um, how can that part of yourself that, that it does that pretending that, that maybe doesn't feel quite safe enough to be totally honest quite yet, how can, how can you just begin to take some tiny steps toward discovering something new? Something that I have not forgotten from years ago, sitting in a pew at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, and Greg Meyer was speaking, and, and it was a, a rough time in my, in my inner world there, and I remember wondering, um, am I really, have I separated myself? Am I kind of unreachable by this, by this love? And, and Greg said, if you give God an inch, God will take a mile. And that meant a lot to me. And now I realize that it's filled with good news and, and maybe some intimidating news, too. It's a big adventure. And just a little space can allow a lot of air and light and love to flow in. The father of this prayer practice called Centering Prayer, Thomas Keating, wrote a whole book about Centering prayer, a form of contemplative prayer, and the title says it all. He called it Invitation to Love. Invitation to Love. That is maybe what we are invited to do here, is to come back into this active conversation about what does it mean to love and be loved? What is the invitation in there for you? And may you and I, in our as open as possible today selves, find some, some, some surprising space, do some, some letting go, and some discovery of what it might mean to be loved right where we are in the here and now, already a part of all that is. Thanks for listening. We hope these conversations are helpful and connective. You can find out more about Fabric at fabricmpls.com. There you can find notes from previous conversations and other resources for deepening your relationships with the threads of yourself, others, and that third strand we often call God. You can also find ways of connecting to a group, whether you're in the Twin Cities or not. You can join in supporting this community financially too. It's through the generous giving of people like you that Fabric is sustained. Again, that's fabricmpls.com. Thanks for being Fabric in your unique way.